Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Carolina Casuals. I'm Justin, and I'm, of course, joined in the flesh today by my brother Noah. Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great day. We've got another exciting episode for you this week, but before we get into it, I want to go ahead and remind you that if you're enjoying our videos, to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. While you're there, go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know what your thoughts on this week's episode were as well as tell us what you think of what's upcoming in the Carolinas. While you're there, follow us on both Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Follow us to make sure you're staying up to date on all the most recent information regarding this podcast. There's a lot to get into this week. Let's begin with two surprising results in college football, starting in Columbia, South Carolina, where South Carolina leading by 10 in the fourth quarter ends up losing to the Florida Gators 41-39, to despite an amazing performance from Spencer Rattler, who was 23 of 30 for 313 yards and four touchdowns. He was outdueled by his opposing quarterback, Graham Mertz, who was 30 of 48 for 423 yards and three touchdowns, each team also having a 100-yard receiver. And the other one is in the ACC, where Wake Forest – went to Virginia Tech and lost by double digits, 30-13. to 13. Virginia Tech's new quarterback, Kyron Drones, the sophomore, was 20 of 29 for 321 yards and two scores. They also had the receiver, Jalen Lane, who went for 102 yards and two touchdowns on three catches. Wake's quarterback, Michael Kern, was 14 of 22 for 166 yards. Justin, who are you more concerned about, South Carolina for blowing that big late lead to Florida or Wake Forest for getting dominated on the road by Virginia Tech? For me, the concerning one right now is South Carolina. Now, Griffiths did play in this game and was taken out for Kern, but Griffiths was not exactly doing well before he exited the game. But for me, South Carolina, this is alarming they're leading by 10 with less than five minutes to play, and they give up the lead, end up throwing an interception late to lose the game. This is not a good look for South Carolina, especially against a Florida team that you'd like to see them beat. And I'm really scared for South Carolina now because this was a good game with Florida going back and forth, and you got late into the second half and you saw South Carolina start to pull away. You thought maybe they were finally going to get a grip on this game, get away from the pack a little bit. And then they just fell apart in the last five minutes. Just not good offensive play. Couldn't stop Florida. Obviously the pick late when they're trying to make something happen down by four. I'm very worried for South Carolina because now all of a sudden they have a game against Missouri this week. Missouri is playing very, very well, and I'm not convinced South Carolina is going to be able to win that game. And then South Carolina is just two losses away in their at the end of their schedule from being out of bowl games, which is very, very below where we had South Carolina going to start the year. I thought this was a game at home that they would be able to pull out against Florida, but now that they have lost they fall to two and four and I'm concerned going forward the rest of this year because just a couple more losses and they're gonna they're gonna be in hot water over there in Columbia for me for for me it's wake while while South Carolina's loss was concerning you you have sometimes those days in football where 
It's not like that's just going to happen. The reason I'm concerned for Wake, because we both said this last week, we were wondering last week why Virginia Tech was favored in this game. They had not looked very good. They had, they had also some very questionable losses. And Virginia Tech apparently showed us why they were favored in this game because Wake was just like Wake could not ever get a lead in this game. To me, you want to talk about schedules with Wake. Wake still has to play Florida State. They still have to play Duke and they still have to play Notre Dame. And that could very easily be three losses right there. So if they don't pick up a win against either Pitt, NC State, or Syracuse, they're going to be out of a bowl game as well. And I think for me, except for me, the reason it's Wake is because South Carolina, as I can chalk down to a fluky, unfortunate, bad day in the fourth quarter, Wake, I mean, that was, I was very surprised that Wake lost and lost as bad as they did. And the other thing now, if you're Wake, is you dropped to 0-3 in conference play. And that's the reason I'm more concerned for Wake is I was not expecting they'd be 0 for 3 in conference. I don't disagree with what you said. I guess for me, the difference is Wake, I kind of expected to be kind of a 500 team fighting for a bowl game. You know, it was going to kind of be a toss up whether they got there or not. South Carolina, I expected to be an 8-9 win team. Nine wins is already off the board. And my guess is it's going to be tough for them to get to eight wins. And so now all of a sudden South Carolina is on pace to be a team that's maybe having to fight to get to a bowl game, which after the way South Carolina season finished last year, I just, I had a hard time believing that this team would struggle like this this year. Defensively, they have not been the best. The offensive line has had a lot of struggles South Carolina has dropped now a couple of games. This is a big game. You'd like to see them win to kind of get on track because I just don't know. Now it's getting tough to see. Are they going to be able to get to six wins and go bowling? I'm not sure. They've got to win. They they can only afford at this point three more losses. Missouri's going to be a tough one. Clemson's going to be a tough one. Texas A&M is going to be a tough one. Like they've got some difficult games upcoming. And not having a win against Florida in a game that they were in control of. They had this game in their hands and they squandered it. I'm I'm not convinced it's going to be a good ending to the season for the Gamecocks. I, I think you're right on that. And relative to expectations, yes, South Carolina is massively underwhelming. But this is just a, one of those where just after this week, I don't know. I just I was not expect I was expecting this would be a win that Wake could get to four and two because again Virginia Tech had not looked good and to get smacked like that makes me have some serious doubts about Wake as well. But I think the ultimate message is there is reason to be have high concern for both of these teams after this past weekend. Well, let's move on now to what has so far been the best team in my opinion in the Carolinas and that is the Tar Heels. They pick up an important win this past weekend at home against 25th-ranked Miami, 41-31. to Drake May picks up where he left off last week, going 17-33 of for 273 with four passing touchdowns, three of those going to Devontae Walker, who had six catches for 132 yards and three scores. Marion Hampton, 24 carries, 197 yards on the ground. North Carolina's offense was absolutely stellar and defensively forced two interceptions out of Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. 
in total four turnovers on the day for Miami. UNC Noah is now 6-0 and with the playoff poll coming out in a few weeks. It's time to start asking the questions as they move now North Carolina up to 10th in the AP poll. Can UNC make the college football playoff? UNC certainly can make the college football playoff. And and we were talking about this a little bit off air. UNC, I think for one thing, we both agree, UNC has to go undefeated. I don't think there's a place that they can lose on their schedule, even if they were to beat Florida State and make the playoff. They, they should have an easy next couple of weeks with Virginia and Georgia Tech and Campbell. But then the last three games of the season, obviously hosting what should be a ranked Duke team, and then road games against Clemson and NC State. And those are two teams that, while, yes, they aren't as um, good this year as they have been in other years, going to Clemson's always a tough ask. And then NC State's a rivalry game. It will be a tough last three weeks for UNC to really put themselves in the playoff picture. But here's the other thing that's got to happen for UNC. They don't need a lot of it. But to me, they need just a little bit of help in the other conferences. Because there are some teams that there are some teams in other conferences that are ranked ahead of them that have some opportunities for some big wins down the road. And if they end up behind those teams in the first poll and can't find a, I'm not if they end up behind those teams in the first rankings, they're going to have to put some statement wins to find a way or have them get some losses to find a way to pass them. Because otherwise they won't get in over an SEC team. They won't get in over a Big Ten team. The Pac-12 looks really good. It'd be hard to put them in over there. And so then it's a matter of, do you put them in as an ACC champion over the possible Big 12 champion, Oklahoma and Texas? And if one of them's undefeated or with one loss, I think it's just, it's going to be hard for them to slide UNC in if they're behind them. So possible, certainly. They have to go undefeated. And I think they need somebody in one of the other conferences to lose in there and end up behind them in order for them to slide in. Yeah, obviously it's tough to tell right now because we're still waiting on the first poll to come out, which it comes out on Halloween. But where I agree with you is that, yes, UNC can make the playoff. Yes, they need to go undefeated. I think all of those things are given. However, where I disagree with you is Carolina's remaining schedule, the games that they still have to play, are probably their remaining schedule is better than all of the t- a lot of the teams that are ahead of them including teams like Texas, including teams like Penn State, who I'm not even sure is going to be able to win the games that they need to win, including teams like Oklahoma. Carolina still has what could potentially be three ranked teams left on their schedule, which includes Duke, Clemson, and Florida State. Texas, for example, if they make the Big 12 championship game, they will probably have to rematch Oklahoma which that would be the only ranked game that they still have to play. For me, if Carolina can go undefeated, which is not going to be an easy task, you're going to have a tough game against Duke, like we said. Clemson maybe will have found something by then, but they're just outside the top 25 right now, and they could find their way in. Florida State, we know how good they are. This is going to be not an easy road for UNC, but certainly one that is possible, especially with how their offense looks. I think we've gotten to see how good Devontae Walker is Mm -hmm. these last couple of weeks and what he does for that offense and how he opens it up for Drake May's passing attack. 
I think UNC, the fact that they're already in the top 10 and as long as they do what they need to do, they will probably be there come the first poll. And I think the path for them is outlined. If if they win, they're in. Because I think there's going to be enough natural losses ahead of them that I think will enable them. That is, if they're 13-0, and 0, I think that will enable them to be in the playoff come December. The the scenario does, in fact, it, and, and to me, it's college football. Let's be realistic. Someone's going to pick up a loss that they shouldn't somewhere along the road. The thing I would say, I mean, because the, the Big 12, let's be honest, at this point, I anticipate is who UNC is going to be fighting for that last playoff spot for. To me, it's one of those where if Texas wins out and wins the Big 12, the problem that they're going to have comparing to Texas is while UNC is going to have some good wins down the stretch and they had a much stronger non, they had a stronger overall non-conference than Texas did. You could argue even the neutral site win over Florida in comparing a neutral site win to Florida State, there will be no win on UNC's schedule that is better than Texas out of conference going to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. Whether that should be that way or not, that is how I believe the committee would see it. And then if Texas were to go and avenge their one loss to Oklahoma and claim they beat every team that they played, it'd even be for me hard-pressed to look at the to look and say slide Texas in because avenging Oklahoma means that well they would have beaten everybody on the schedule. I I don't I don't see the committee in that scenario putting UNC in over Texas. But I, I, that's, why, that's why I think there's got to be a loss. There needs to li- be a little bit of help in some other conference for UNC, I think, to be able to slide in, even if UNC goes 12-0. And that's where I disagree with you because we know how important strength of schedule is to the committee. They've proven that over the past couple of years. Yes, I don't think there's any debate that Texas winning in Tuscaloosa – is a big win. Now, granted, will Alabama still be a one-loss team by the end of the year? I'm not convinced by that. But my thing is, if Carolina's undefeated, I think there's a good chance that they have probably the second best win between the two teams in a win over Florida State. And you could maybe say then that Texas has the third best win, but then Carolina would have, I think, probably – before you get to Texas's third best win, I think you could probably have Carolina's second, third, fourth, and even fifth best wins before you would get to Texas's next best. So I think overall, I think UNC, I I, I still believe it's a if they win, they're in. I think that will be enough because undefeated conference champions is something that in the past has been a staple for getting into the playoff. If you're undefeated and you won your conference, you're probably going to get in. I don't think we've ever had a year where a Power 5 undefeated conference champion didn't make the playoff. That's where I think Carolina still has an opportunity to pick up enough wins, I think, to jump teams like Oregon, Texas, even if they go undefeated the rest of the way. I think that will help. Now, I will say this. I think Duke could mess it up for Carolina this week if they manage to go to Tallahassee and win. But we'll get to that later. 
But I think I think the path is there, and I think the Carolinas could maybe have their first appearance in the playoff since Clemson being in there in the 2020 season. I think this is a conversation we could revisit later too. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, like we said, we still we got to wait and see what the, what the poll says come Halloween, and probably once that poll is out, we'll be able to get a better idea of okay, what does UNC need to do if they are to get in. Their schedule is favorable from this point until we get to the polls. They should still be undefeated by then. Obviously, crazier things have happened, but we'll have to wait and see. But I think the odds are pretty good for the Targos. Let's move on now to some quick takes from this past week. Uh, Only a couple left to go over. We'll start in Durham. Number 17, Duke, without Riley Leonard. Picks up the win over NC State 24-3. Duke's backup quarterback, Henry Beelan IV, has a less than mediocre day, going 4 of 12 for 107 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception. So he only had one completed pass that wasn't really for anything. Jalen Waters doing really well on the ground, 13 carries for 123 yards. One touchdown. Duke's overall rushing attack was very effective. MJ Morris, 24 of 40 for 193 with one interception. He was also State's leading rusher. Pretty good day for Duke. Pretty underwhelming for NC State in a game that maybe maybe they could have taken advantage of Duke being down at quarterback. Yes, they very well could have, but I think what this game proved, and I think what it should prove to everybody, Duke's defense is for real. The I mean, the most points they gave up in a game – was the 21 points that they gave up to Notre Dame. And they gave that up on the last minute in the game that they in that game that they were leading. So Duke's defense is legit. They're gonna get obviously tested this weekend. Beelan did enough for them to win the game and score points. But I think the takeaway from this game is defense and how good they are. And lastly we head down to Miami where the Panthers fell to the Dolphins 42 to 21. Carolina's offense came out hot, getting out to a 14-0 lead, and then 35 unanswered points for the Dolphins enabled them to take control of this game. Bryce Young continuing to show steady improvement, going 23 of 38 for 217 and a touchdown. Chuba Hubbard carried the ball very well with 19 carries, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Thielen, another very stellar day with 11 catches for 115 and a touchdown. Fairly clean game for the Panthers, but overall Miami just too good. Yeah, I mean, we we knew and expected that Miami would end up winning this game. Um, Miami just has too much speed. It's, it showed on the Tyree Kill touchdown where just against 99% of receivers in the league – Dante Jackson's playing good coverage. Unfortunately, Tyree Kill is, in fact, the 1% of receivers that that's not as good of coverage. But the thing I will take away from this game is that was our best. That was the Panthers' best offensive performance. I thought the play calling was so much better. Bryce played a really good game. And his his touchdown pass to Thielen was gorgeous uh, in the first quarter. And while it's a little bit disappointing to see the offense not score again after that, I was I was glad to see just overall across the board much better play calling and much better execution 
from the Panthers on offense. And going into the bye week, too, it'd be good to take that into the bye week and prepare for the Texans. And I think it's also important to note the news announced yesterday that Frank Reich is officially giving up play calling duties, handing them over to Thomas Brown, which will be an interesting wrinkle to watch over the next few weeks. Yeah, something we've been talking about for a while now. Obviously, we lamented over that a few episodes ago about wanting to see Thomas Brown get into the play calling side of it. So obviously he's now got a couple weeks here to come up with a game plan and and iron out all the kinks that'll come with being a first time play caller, but excited to see what'll happen. And hopefully maybe the team can continue to improve. Well, let's move on to the previews for this upcoming week, exclusively in the college ranks this week with the Carolina Panthers on by we're going to start in Winston-Salem, 3.30 Eastern on ACC Network. Wake Forest hosting Pittsburgh. Wake Forest still searching for their first conference win. They are a two-point home favorite. Justin, who you got in this game? I'm going to go rogue here and pick Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh got a huge win this past week over ranked Louisville. And for a Pitt team that has struggled to start the season – that might be the win that sparks them into a new phase of the season. They looked very good against Louisville and Wake for three or four weeks now has just not looked good. And I see no reason right now watching Wake these past couple weeks that it's going to get any better and hit maybe this is the worst time for Wake to have to play Pittsburgh coming off that. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh to get a to get a road win over the Demon Deacons. I'm going to go with Wake. I'm going to say that maybe Pittsburgh struck lightning in a bottle. I think Wake knows this is must win for them, having not picked up a conference win yet, and probably knowing they're going to need this one to really track towards possibly going to a bowl game. So I think I'm going to pick Wake in a close game. I could see Pitt maybe having a little bit of a letdown after such a big win last week. Next game on the board, UVA traveling to Chapel Hill to face UNC. Uh, UNC is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. It is 6.30 Eastern on the CW Network. Justin, any chance for an upset here? Absolutely not. This is going to get ugly and ugly fast. Virginia is just not that good. There's not really any way to sugarcoat it. They've got one win this year, and it's over William & Mary and FCS school. Virginia is going to struggle to stop this explosive Carolina offense. UNC, it will be more than 23 and a half. Yeah, apologies to all my UVA friends out there, but UNC runs away with this one. I think this one's done by halftime. UVA, I I don't see any way they can stop this Carolina offense. And I do think UNC very easily covers the 23 and a half points. Move on to primetime in the ACC, 8 o'clock Eastern on the ACC Network. Clemson traveling down to Miami. Clemson is a road favorite here, three and a half points. Miami coming off the the loss to UNC. Clemson coming off a bye week. Justin, what are you thinking for this one? Yeah, I'm actually going to pick the Tigers here. I'm now going two for two on picking the road teams. Miami, the past two weeks, you had the emotional roller coaster against Georgia Tech followed now by losing the UNC. I think Miami's done, honestly and truly. I think they have pretty much exhausted themselves emotionally. I think not being able to get that win against UNC is really going to hurt them. 
Clemson has a chance to get into the bye, get some work in, get some rest, get healthy. I think the Tigers head down to Miami, pick up a win, and I think Clemson will cover. I think it'll be at least a touchdown that they win by. So this one's a tough game, and I think an important game for both teams. Clemson coming off a bye week. This is the week to me that we want to see the offense take a step forward with Garrett Riley. And if you're Miami, back-to-back tough losses, you want to try to avoid a third straight loss to keep your season from spiraling. The reason I'm going to go with Clemson is because I think last week was Miami's desperation game, and Miami's kind of proved it that that Georgia Tech one was a fluke. I do agree. I'm concerned that maybe this is the week that Miami comes out a little flat. So I'm going to go with Clemson, but I think it will be a close game. And let's move to the SEC now. South Carolina coming off the heartbreaker against Florida travels to newly ranked number 20 Missouri, who's a seven-point home favorite. Justin, who you got for this one? Yeah, I'm not sure how South Carolina is going to win this game because, honestly, you know, we talked about Miami last week against Carolina being a desperation game. I think for South Carolina – This almost has to be a desperation game, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to win. Missouri might be one of the hottest teams right now in college football. Playing at home, South Carolina has not been able to keep up, play a complete game. I think the Tigers win. I think that line is pretty fair. I think seven points is about what it'll be, but I do think the Tigers will get the win at home. I think, honestly, Missouri is just a better team. South Carolina's played some close games, but I think – this just comes down to Missouri's better. Their one, their their one loss is a close home loss to LSU, and I think to me this is a good Missouri team. They could win this one, I think, by ten to fourteen points, but I do think Missouri wins. And now moving on to the game of the week in the Carolinas, number sixteen Duke traveling to Florida State. Florida State currently a fourteen point favorite. Duke obviously is still awaiting news as to if Riley Leonard can play, which I think can have a big impact as to how this game goes. Justin, who do you got for this game? Obviously, the health of Riley Leonard makes a big difference here in terms of Duke's competitiveness in the game. I think if Riley does not play, I don't think Duke can win. I think the defense will still play well, but even if they hold Florida State to 17 points, I'm not convinced – Duke's offense would be able to do enough. Now, if Riley does play, obviously there's going to be questions of how healthy is he? How much is he going to be able to do? But I do think his presence dramatically increases their chances of being able to win this game. With that said, I still am going to go with the Seminoles for the reasons I just said. How healthy is he going to be if he plays? How mobile is he going to be? We know how much running the football matters to his game. I think Florida State, even if they only score 17, 20, 24 points, I think that will be enough for a banged-up Riley Leonard Duke-led offense. I'm going to pick the Knowles, but 14, I think, is really generous. I think Duke will keep it closer than that. Duke, I think, has a legitimate chance, but I think ultimately the Knowles will find a way to win this game. Last time Duke had a game like this against a ranked team, obviously it was Notre Dame, and I made the emotional pick of picking Duke, and they almost proved me right. And as much as I'd love to do that again, even what, what, even if Riley Leonard's healthy, 
I am going to pick the Knowles. I think Riley Leonard's health determines whether Duke has a true puncher's chance in this game or not, because Duke's defense is going to show up, especially their front. Where I have concerns outside of Riley Leonard is this is by far the best group of wide receivers Duke's had to play. And I'm just not sure that Duke can cover Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman for four quarters, their size and their speed. Um, if Riley Leonard plays, I think Duke keeps it inside 14 and gives themselves a chance. I think if Riley Leonard doesn't play, I think this one could get out of hand and be like a 20, a 17 to 3, 20 to 3 type of game. But I think Florida State wins this one regardless, just as a matter of how close does Duke play them. And now it's time for our favorite moment. Obviously, we talk a lot about the Carolinas on this podcast, but football expands beyond the states of North and South Carolina. And we want to use this time to recognize our favorite moment from this week across the national football landscape. And this week, we are heading up to West Lafayette, Indiana. Purdue was hosting third-ranked Ohio State this past weekend, and it was a blowout win for the Buckeyes. 41-7 to ended up being the final score. However, it was a rough day for Purdue's kicker. He missed three field goals in the first half that would have helped Purdue get going offensively. And to make matters worse, at halftime, Purdue had a, a kicking challenge where a fan came on the field and kicked some field goals. Well, the fan that they brought on went three for three, including hitting a 40-yard field goal at the end to win the grand prize. That's not a good look for Purdue's kicker. Pair that with the kid from Washington who won $30,000 on college game day yesterday. Look, it's a huge day for kicking fans out there. But let me tell you, for college kickers, it's a bad look. Really bad look. You know, it's tough because there were also some big kicks in other places missed, including, you know, in Seattle where you had Oregon's kicker who missed the game winner as the Washington kid hits that one in the pregame. But, man, I feel for that Purdue kicker because you go 0 for 3 in front of all of those fans, and meanwhile you've got a random fan who can trot out there and hit three kicks. I mean, that just mentally, that's just got to hurt. But, I mean, sometimes you just have a bad day. And the Purdue kicker missed from 48, from 39, and from 27. That's in order, by the way. The kicks got progressively shorter, and he still missed them. And while I hate to bash on the kickers, I do feel for him. And I also want to look at him and say, dude, you got to hit those kicks because that's that's an unfortunate look to have someone from the crowd come out and hit three kicks, hitting a kick farther from where you missed two of yours. I mean, that's just that's a rough day. I've been in the stadium where they do like those halftime challenges and they bring out a fan to do them. And I've seen them where the fan does better. And you hear all the people in the stands cheering for the guy and, you know, screaming to have him suit up and play that game. Look, if you're going like, it's a hard look, man. If you're going to be on scholarship for a school and miss those kicks and then they trot a dude out there at halftime and he goes three for three when you're 0 for three. Yeah, that's, mm, man, it's a tough look because I know the fans in there were laughing and screaming like, hey, why don't you put on patent helmets and go out there and kick for us? And yeah, it was not a good day for kickers across the country. Yeah, I think what helps produce kicker, though, is the fact that they were playing Ohio State. Uh, I think you would have seen maybe a lot more criticism from the fans if, you know, they were in a close game that was down to the wire. 
But with it being Ohio State, most Purdue fans were probably not expecting to be in that game, and the final result was a blowout. I think it doesn't sting quite as bad. Uh, but, man, that's still a rough day for Purdue's kicker to have that happen right in front of you. Really, really tough look. And we can kind of laugh about it since it was they weren't going to probably win the game anyway. Uh, but in a close game, it would be much, much harder to take for that kicker. Oh, so, yeah. you know, you maybe feel for him a little bit. But, I mean, when the fan comes out and hits three, goes three for three at halftime, it's like, yeah. yeah, what makes it comical is the fact that it was a blah, and it would not be comical if the game was a close game. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure to leave a five-star review on wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Also, go ahead and leave a comment on what your thoughts on this week's episode for and what you're expecting for the upcoming week. Go ahead and follow us on both Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Follow us to make sure you're staying up to date on all the most recent information regarding this podcast. Once again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week as we come back and review a big game down in Tallahassee and all the other recent events in the Carolinas. Have a great one, everyone.